This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. You know, we got to get this spot done quickly because I'm starved. Mm -hmm. And you know what's always on my mind when I want something that isn't heavy at lunch? Right. The poke bar. Oh, yeah. At Zupan's. Zupan's. It's always on my mind Mm -hmm. because you can go in there and fill up your bowl for less than 10 bucks and have delicious fresh fish and I don't have to choose unlike going to a sushi bar where you pick one or two things I can pick three or four varieties and put them in that bowl create it the way you want to do it exactly same thing with their salad bar I do this I've been doing this salad bar every time I go in and do my shopping there I also swing by the salad bar that's good for you I need to do a little I need to do another visit or two to the salad bar but the poke bar isn't bad I feel a little healthy a little bit healthy when I'm eating that. certainly constantly uh, updating the stuff they've got in there I know that uh, we're late season tangerines coming in the citrus now, is this a good time of year I for think, citrus? I believe it is. Uh, I saw on their website mixed berry mini pies that I need to go in and check out. Those After the salad bar? Delicious. After the salad bar. Yeah. You, you eat healthy and then you dessert hard is what you do. Uh, <laughs> if you also go to zoopans.com, you can also check out their great uh, Seller Z events, their regional dinners. They've constantly got those going on and you can see the full lineup online at zoopans.com. And also speaking of the sellers, they have... An incredible selection of wine from all over the world. They do a really good job. We mm-hmm. found we found a wine there from uh, Badia Colto Bono, where we went on our trip in Italy, and they're carrying it there. Very nice. They got the three locations, Burnside, Lake Grove, McAdam, and of course, always, zoopans.com. time once again for portland's food scene podcast right at the fork in our fifth year yes chris angeles whoever thought yeah i mean i i'm now coming up on my with my memories thing on facebook right where i see you know what some of the previous podcasts were and it goes way back to 2014 that's hard to believe yeah and a shout out to heather jones for really conceiving of this podcast right she's the one who she had, had that fr- uh, initial drive to yes. make it happen and she actually auditioned uh, a few people and I, I I came with contacts. Okay, yeah. I think that was that was what the put helped. me over the edge. Well, yeah. I, and Chris, I'll toot your horn. I think you 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 do a great interview. I appreciate it. You know, I uh, I'm a pretty I guess I'm a fairly uh, good conversationalist. I'm not not uh, solid conversationalist in terms of I can make a conversation. Right. Um, and I did actually major in this and it wasn't until I auditioned with Heather and I put these headphones on and got in front of a mic where it kind of came back to me. This is what I wanted to do. Man, it's was like, oh, be, yeah. I wanted to be a sports announcer as a kid. Ah, the play-by-play? Play-by-play. I used yeah. to sit in front of my little nine-inch black and white Sony mm-hmm. with the broken antenna yeah. and and turn down Marv Albert and do my own play-by-play. Well, let's do this. Let's send you into uh, a restaurant with a microphone, and you can do by play-by-play back in the kitchen. So like an Iron Chef. Kind of like kind an of Iron. Thing. You could hear the Alton, Alton, well, you and it I Alton did, Brown? You and I did that once at the, at we the art museum. I we thought were, we did a good job. Our, yeah, and they didn't ask us they, back. We didn't give them yeah. I was fucked. <laughs> I thought we did a really good job. And so, listen, I'm going to throw it back to you. Okay. It just caused me to think when you were being very nice to compliment me on being able to do an interview. 
We've gotten through a few. It's incredible. Sure. But I would love to, you're a great interviewer. You've been, a, you do a lot of great interviews on the radio. You've interviewed me, yeah. as a matter of fact. And I would like to, uh, I think sometime I should step back and you should do the uh, the whole interview. I should do the whole interview? And not just maybe one time. Well, you know, it's worth it's worth the thought. I'm, I'm over here pushing buttons. Um, and unfortunately, because we do this podcast in a place where I also work, I'm I'm getting hit by emails because I can't avoid people seeing me in the there's hallways. There's one right there. Yeah, because they know <laughs> there's one. Right there. They know I'm in the building, and so I'm just like, Ugh, I can't make the excuse. So I I I'm partially, maybe twenty percent working while eighty percent trying to pay attention to your great interviews. So. so once once in a while we do them on weekends. That's when we there we should, go. That's when we should do it. Let's or, let's do it. Let's do it. Do a couple, and then we talked about at one point um, interviewing me. Yeah, maybe that'll be the the kickoff. And then I was I was like lukewarm on the idea, and then I started watching um, the Merv Griffin show on Hulu. Yeah, and he actually did an episode where he had Dick Cavett come out and interview, interview him, him when he did his book. And I thought, nah, that was just you, way you too want, obvious. Right, and uh, I don't want to do it. But you know, I got a few stories to tell. Maybe maybe as a little side thing, we can do yeah. uh, not make it a weekly What's, episode. Uh, let's- Pass it by our producers and see what they say. Yeah, these all these great ideas. We'll have to suck up to them yeah. and uh, see if we can get that done. Anyway, yeah. Speaking of uh, sucking up, not uh, we're ta- sucking down cocktails. Let's right. go with that. Um, Natalia Toral is was here with us moment moments ago mm-hmm. in the studio. We always do this. Generally, do this um, the intro after the guest, so we kind of know it was discussed. Yeah, and can talk about it a little. Um, but she is an event planner who's now accepted a position at Enoteca and Nostrana as their events manager. And I know I met her when she was doing the same thing or similar at Raven and Rose Mm -hmm. a long time ago. And along the way, she's done some incredible events. You can find the fruits of her labors. Uh, Hopefully they'll do a Shuck Portland again next year. That just finished the first one, which was just really well done, and she works uh, also, I think, what has just been completed, Mayalata, which is a fantastic event out at Montanora State. Um, we didn't talk about that at all, um, but that's a big one every year that celebrates the, uh, the, the pig and, uh, and some meat and has some great chefs out there. And along the way, she does a lot of cocktail events as well, uh, too. She also has turned into a great friend, has come to visit me out at the coast and hang out and uh, cook me dinner, mm. So, yeah. uh, which was great. She's so. big into uh, spreadsheets, and we have the debut of a side podcast that uh, Chris is working on called Tattoo Tales. Yeah. You like that? I th- yeah. Tattoo I like Tales. It. And thanks for thinking of that. Yeah. Uh, and that, uh, we'll discuss it. You can listen to hear what that's all about in a few minutes. Um but yeah, it was great to have her here, and she was a, a kind of a fill-in guest at the last minute, and a perfect fill-in, because when I wrote her and said, hey, you want to come on the podcast tomorrow, this never happens. I think in all the years, we've only had to do a last-minute guest once or twice. Um, she wrote and told me that she had just accepted that position like an hour earlier, so mm. it was kind of good timing yeah. to have her here, and always an easy conversation. Um, so Natalia Toral here on Right at the Fork. 
Hey, Chris, before we get to the interview, uh, we should remind people about a very soon-to-happen event. Yes, we should, especially since we're talking to Natalia, who's like the, the queen of booze events. Right. We have a great one coming up at Park Kitchen with David Briggs of Chocolatel de David, uh, where we're introducing his three new Mexican chocolate flavors with mezcal pairings. Mm. Um, so that is the 22nd at Park Kitchen, and uh, we're going to be talking about our trip to Mexico City for Day of the Dead there and offering a special deal for anybody who would like to come with us. And for Right at the Fork listeners, if they go to portlandfoodadventures.com and plug in promotion code FORK, they'll get five bucks off that. So it's a good deal. Everybody's going to walk away with his, the first people to walk away with his three newest Mexican flavors. Very nice. David. So one of our best chocolatiers. So there's that. And there's also this. Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupans. Unsurpassed quality. From the best meats and wines to local baked goods, fresh flowers, and an extensive craft beer selection. Step into Zupans and be inspired for your next meal. Food-loving customers as well as local chefs know that Zupans is the place to find the very best Northwest Bounty in Portland. West Burnside, Southwest McAdam, and Lake Oswego. Local and family-owned for over 40 years. Zupans Markets. And by Portland Food Adventures. Join Right at the Four Coast Chris Angeles for once-in-a-lifetime trips this fall to eat and sip your way through Sicily, Mexico City, and PFA's famous trip with Italo chef Jose Chesa to Barcelona. See the exciting itineraries at portlandfoodadventures.com and find Chris's contact info there. If you love food and travel, these trips are for you. So you're comfortable over there? Yes. Good. There's no baggage that you're dealing with for this interview? <laughs> Because we're kind of winging it, you know, we, we yeah. arranged this last minute, and here's, here are my notes for this interview. Natalia Toral. There we go. That, <laughs> that's it. You know. I think we can get by. It's been done before. That is my that. website name, so I feel like the branding is on point. Yeah. That's not all we need to do. We just want to keep talking about that <laughs> branding. But, so, it's actually nicely coincidental that it's not all going to be about your website and your events very soon you got a new gig i do have a new gig it, Which, is, a, it is official as of the day after tomorrow so well, am, but this will it will already have happened you will have already either the honeymoon period will be exactly <laughs> what you wanted it to be or you'll be past it um because well, this, this is going to be in march we're recording this on the day before valentine's day which means nothing to me yeah yeah Tomorrow, uh, yeah, tomorrow's Valentine's Day. I start the day after as the event manager at Nostrana. So they opened a new event space called Enoteca, which is right next door. They took over some business that was there. I think it was like a yoga studio or something. And they've been building it out for about a year and a half, and it looks pretty amazing in there. They're going to be able to do, I'm going to be able to do multiple private dinners and large parties. Mm. Um, and the word Enoteca means wine place. Mm-hmm. So part of the... Um, the glamour and the interest of the space is that they have this bananas amount of wine storage and it's beautiful too. Something like Portland does not have something like this. Um, I don't think that it's been installed yet, so I can't actually tell you what it looks like, but in theory and how Nicholas has described it is that it is suspended um, vinyl with light coming through. So all the bottles are going to be popping out and, you know, over 2000 bottles are going to be able to be stored. Wow. Yeah. So it's going to be a huge draw with wine lovers, winemakers, 
And it's Kathy too, right? So who are the who are the key people at Enoteca? Kathy Wims, Nicholas Suhor, um, Kathy Wims and David West own Nostrana. Right. Uh, they also own Oven and Shaker, partly. And um, yeah, so this is kind of a next step in building their Italian food empire. And uh, you know, I mean, the restaurant has been around for 12 years. It's solid. It's amazing. One of my favorite places. It's a landmark. It's now, we'll <laughs> call it a landmark restaurant in Portland, right? Absolutely. You, it's an institution. Right. It's where I started my Portland Food Ventures thing, by the way. Wow. First one circle. ever. Kathy was just incredible in talking to this guy that she didn't know at all and saying, okay, I'll try that. Right. And it was the first time I ever thought, wow, this these people in this city are are very cool. Doing cool things. Yeah, working with local farmers. Like, who thought that would be something that would be so interesting and successful? And it absolutely is. And I did a little documentary video. It was about seven minutes long. I don't know if you saw it. It was for their 10-year anniversary party that I put together. I went around and I interviewed um, Ayers Creek Farm and J. Christopher Winery and Brick House Winery and talking about what it takes to keep a restaurant alive for 10 years, but then also like beyond that, what is the ethos of Nostrana? And at the heart of it all is really supporting the farmers and making sure that the food has integrity and simplicity. And I mean, you know, you travel around other countries and you try to see what is the same, what's similar between the Catalan food that's here and and that's there and Italian and there and here. And so they are doing a really good job, like staying true to that, but with using super local, really finely curated, finely sourced products. Well, it's, you know, un- it's unfortunate and it's fortunate. So with Enoteca, you've got, you've got both sides of the coin. You've got the, here's what's new about Portland. But then with Nostrana, and you're talking about being around for more than 10 years, um, those are the restaurants that, you know, are, have gone through lots of trends and have stayed there and are still doing a great job. They really deserve as much or if not more attention than the new places because the new places gets just naturally get it right but um (laughs) they're riding on the coattails right but and so also a lot of us who are hanging around the food industry and people we're thinking about the new places a lot and it it's important to jar memories to go yeah i need to go back to nostrana yep you're always you always know it's going to be consistent that margarita be, pizza at arugula and prosciutto right. is always going to be perfect with the scissors so with you know you're going to have that you're going to know you're going to have that experience so um very cool but you've had you've been working with Kathy for a few years and did you not were you not at Nostrana before in some capacity I was not um I've just been really good friends with them through the Negroni Social right which is an event I do with Douglas Derrick who's at Campari um he started the Negroni Social at Nostrana seven years ago and so it was housed in the restaurant for the first several years and then when he left Nostrana he he took the and and also the Negroni Social is a huge party it's a 450 50 person party. So it outgrew Nostrana pretty quickly. And so when I worked with him at Raven and Rose, we got together and said, okay, like I'll help you maybe a little bit this one time, do this event in a bigger venue. And then, you know, here we are four years later where I'm still, I'm still making it happen. Good. So what, what is it about your um, past that makes you so good at doing events and parties? Hmm. Well, I come from a really corporate background yeah I worked that would e- be it. equal parts equal parts wells fargo starbucks and target like 
and not and, and you know the thing is with those jobs is you don't get to add anything that it not, it's nothing you don't you don't bring systems to the table they're given to you and so i do think that a lot of that i i took a lot of that and i learned it and i applied it to my own systems you so know? what could you possibly take from wells fargo other than there must be this evil side of you i'm gonna blow your mind spreadsheets spreadsheets <laughs> Ooh, that is mind-blowing <laughs> Yeah, you know, I think though at the end of the day, it is one of those. I mean, spreadsheets kind of save the day. Yeah, I, I a lot of times people say, well, "What do you do?" Or they already know. I'm like, "God, your life must be amazing," and I go, "Yeah, it's a glamorous world of spreadsheets." Yeah, you know, they see me and I'm wearing heels and a dress, but really, my life is in pajamas making spreadsheets. And an event is essentially just a series of files and data, and then it and then it manifests into into something that is tangible at a party. I've noticed that because I do what I do on a, on a different scale, smaller scale than you do. But yeah, it's really easy to think that you're just putting these parties together, but at the end of the day, there needs to be a spreadsheet attached. <laughs> and I have, I know chefs who aren't really aware of that, especially when we do our trips. Uh, and I'm not pointing any fingers at anybody, but <laughs> the spreadsheet is the is the heart of the whole trip because it's yeah. got to work. Yeah, yeah. And I've noticed too. Um, you know, in do, most of the events I do are with liquor brands, and I activate for them and and do experiential type parties, memorable events. But every once in a while, I work with chefs. You know, more frequently now, and they're they're so tangible. Their ways of keeping track of data is like the back of a notepad, scratching down words or, or in their head. Or in their head. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you have four or five things that are coming together and, and you're just carrying around one big piece of paper with a quadrant with those four or five areas and you're just jotting down notes. I, that, would, that would make me crazy. I'm a very paperless person. Yeah, so everything's on, everything's on the cloud. Yes, I make everyone RSVP. You do. You made me RSVP the other night. I was play- I was just saying, well, I've already uh, I've already talked to Leaf, so I was playing the real casual Portland side, and you were well very tactful in saying, no, 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 Chris. Before before I started throwing these parties, I was trying to crash them all the time, and uh, I did it very easily. I went to all the feast parties and all the Portland Cocktail Week parties before I worked for Portland Cocktail Week and Feast, and I just was very curious like how how loose is that door how many of these people are supposed to be here and when you put together something so big as the events i do and there's so much money invested in you know with the sponsors like i I tell the door people if they're not on the list they don't get in so i didn't want you to get turned away no i appreciate that and i (laughs) also you you working the system is now you've now put into place measures to keep people from working the system yeah i roll deep when i when i crash a party i have a crew well, that's who they hire. That's who the government hires to figure out who hackers. They hire the hackers to, to right. Out no, to I guess it, may, it. I guess it makes yeah. sense. Yeah. So, yeah. So let me ask you. So yours, your events are now are ironclad tight. So we're not worried about those. What are some of the, what are some suggestions you can give to those crashers as to the best ways to crash other people's events? Uh, I have my own my own simple system is really my at my thing. It's very simple. I have place cards, and yeah. if you don't have a place card. You don't have a seat at the table, so yeah. I don't have to think too much. Yeah. Well, what if you forget a place card? Oh, uh, I have them. They're there. You're good. You're yeah. good. You have your spreadsheet. I don't, have that, I don't have that much to do where I can't remember <laughs> once a month to bring 40 place cards right. with me <laughs> So or get them done. So, But so you have any, what's the best way to get into I don't some, know. I don't know if I should put this into the ether. 
but but you but they will test your systems because uh, <laughs> you have to have protected yourself. I mean, I think if you if you know I'm throwing the party, you could just say I'm here to see Natalia. Right. Okay. So that's one. Yeah, that's probably pretty solid. At most places. Yeah, in but the don't city. you think Just the kidding. door guy hears that from a lot of people? Like the the well, yeah, you know, but I'm a friend of he... I'm a friend of not necessarily Natalia's, <laughs> but I'm a friend of Gregory's. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. But how like what are they gonna vet you? <laughs> right. Stand there and like, hold on, let me Google this. Tell me three more people that are related. No. You know, in that moment you, you just make the call. And, it, and it's not going to be that many people. It's not like thousands of people are gonna come flooding no, through. But the I just doors. find it amusing because I've often thought well, often, so I'm going somewhere, and then, then there's a possible plus one involved. And yeah. that goes both ways. Like, they cancel yeah, people, at the last minute. But I want to bring somebody that I'm on the list for, but yeah. I don't have a plus one. People should always be allowed to bring plus ones, I think. I don't like partying alone. Right. No, I don't either. I'm just going to stand in the corner like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm alone. This is amazing. 90% of the time, if I'm going to something alone, I'm out of there sooner. Yeah. Because when that moment comes, when I'm in the corner with my phone, then I think I could be doing this in a more comfortable fashion somewhere else. Yep. So, and uh, do you have something in mind when you're putting a party together that threads through everything that you do that makes it fun? Because your parties are great. Thank you. That, um, and I'm not just saying that. They're always, if you know it's a Natalia party, you know you want to, that's one you don't want, you don't want to miss. Yeah. Um, I really like visual, visual aesthetics, you know, the things that, um, are Instagrammable. So, so like the ice, the, the ice tits, the boob ice luge that I have at my birthday. <laughs> Actually, the the reason that that happened is because, uh, you know, everyone's doing ice luges. There wasn't a party unless you were sucking booze off of ice. And I thought, okay, sure. I'll have that party as well. But I like the same thing. No one should party alone. No one should lose luge alone. So how do you make an ice luge so it's required for two people to suck down the booze at the same time? Nipples, clearly. Yeah, it's, the, it's obvious. The solution. Is that, is that something that came to you just in the middle of the night? Or uh, was that through conversation? Um, I believe, and, and I kind of have a hazy memory of this, but I believe it was just a joke that was made when I was at Raven and Rose. This was like 2013, I think. And uh, maybe it was Dave Cheneau that said like, well, I should... You should make it boobs. And I said, okay. And I called Charles at PDX Ice, who's just the coolest guy, and he's just an ice genius. And I said, can you carve a, a female bust and make a hole, and then we can suck out things from its nipples? And he goes, cool, I'll be there at 7 p.m. to set it up. And he just showed up with this huge, everyone thought it was me, ice sculpture. The, the, that, those were great. So did you fun. ever think that uh, when you were younger... <laughs> that, that's, that that's what you'd be doing? Well, I did show my mom, and she was very proud. Really? Yeah. Good. She, um, yeah, she's very proud of all the weird stuff that I've done. She's a natural performer, and she was a singer um, for a long time. So she's used to kind of like being in the in the spotlight and being interesting. And I, I don't like being in the spotlight, so I'm a little bit different in that sense. But, you know, I get some attention, and she's just always like, I saw the boobs. I saw this. I love it. And thankfully, they were ice. They were ice boobs. Yeah, she's referring to mine. So, don't come out yeah, well, as often as the ice well, ones you're, do. <laughs> you're, there's a lot of time in front of you, um, and it is a party. So both of your parents were are or were performers. Yes, my dad still is. He's yep. in a Latin American rock band called El Tri. 
They're very famous. And El Tri? El Tri, T-R-I. T-R-I. And so how can someone find them? Because you were at my place and we pulled that up at YouTube. Yeah, yeah. When I, as a matter of fact, you were at my place and we were starting off watching YouTube videos that I thought were interesting and it didn't take long to go. Were you showing through. us cats? <laughs> no, I would okay. never show cats. No, no, no. I don't remember DJ what I was showing. DJ cats in pizza space. I don't remember what they were, but you, you and Tammy ended up taking over the... Yeah, the uh, that's responsibilities not, that's for not that. Not surprising. <laughs> no. So, but one of them was your father yeah. performing, which was really cool. Mm-hmm. How do people find that YouTube video He's, if they want to get a little more, want to go a little deeper yeah, into your background, deeper into my past, um, or I guess my present? He, his name is Lalo Toral. So he's the synthesizer, piano, keyboardist for L3, and they've been a band for God, I mean, longer than I've been a human. So. Somewhere more than 35 years. Um, they travel still around the world. They're really big in Mexico. They live in Mexico City. And Argentina is probably one of their bigger markets. Um, yeah, they're crazy Mexican how, rock and roll. How many people pack the house to see them on a, on a good night? Oh, I mean, stadiums. Really? So yeah. we couldn't, like, we couldn't for our trip to Mexico City. No, you can. You figure can. out some Absolutely. private little thing. Listen, if you're in the same city or country um, as a, an L3 show, I will make sure that you guys get VIP treatment. They come to Portland. They play at the Roseland every other year. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, I want to know about that. Yeah. I, I think was actually ser- searching for Mexican music to put with a little promotional video the you other day. You, I mean, they sing in Spanish, but it's rock and roll. It's like, it's re- it's yeah. like the Aerosmith of Mexico, essentially. I always used to wonder about that because so many of the good bands around the world still sing in single in English because they had to have the uh, this market. But things yeah. have changed. Oh, They're yeah. not selling records anyway, so it's about the concert. So, but They're, they've been doing that for years. Proud of their roots. They're not letting go of their Mexican culture at all. So, how how often do you see your father? Not often. Not often enough, or not often. Uh, last time I saw him was 2011. Okay. It's right. 2018. Well, there's still <laughs> there's still YouTube to see your see your family. I follow his life on Facebook and YouTube. It's lovely. Good. And does he follow yours? Yes. Oh, that's good. Yes. That's nice. So, and where did you grow up? I grew up in equal parts. So I was born in Mexico City, and uh, when I was little, little blonde Mex- Mexican blonde kid speaking Spanish, I moved to Long Beach, and then I lived equal parts Long Beach and Phoenix. Oh, so when were you in Phoenix? Um, up until eight years ago. Oh, okay, that was pretty recently. And then I moved here. So Phoenix and Portland, there's quite, uh, it varies quite a bit. Yes. Well, yes. Especially culture, but also temperature. <laughs> yeah, that. So what brought you up here? Um, I hate the heat. Yeah. My family is originally from Bend, so I grew up coming up here in like holiday seasons and riding horses, going to Sisters Rodeo, climbing mountains, picking up ash from Mount St. Helens, like all these weird things that you can't do in Southern California and Arizona because it's just dry and hot and uh, fell in love with it. And so, you know, I stayed in Arizona for as long as I could because I wanted to be around my, my mom. She's still there. But then eventually I was like, peace. I came up here with my job at Wells Fargo. Oh, nice. So and some, at some point you found your way out to the coast because we know that someday that you would like to just be wearing boots and yep. catching stuff and eating it. Uh, I, my family, my mom's side, so my my dad's side, they're all 
musicians and doctors and lawyers and real estate tycoons. And then my mom's side is just this artistic, just really salt of the earth kind of people, fishermen from Alaska and teachers and artists. And um, so that was always the lessons I received when I was little, like grow your own food, catch your own food, respect the earth. And so I grew up fishing and it's just in my blood. Of course, now that I live here, it's at my fingertips, so I get to do it all the time. Well, as often as I can. Well, you're still an hour and 45 minutes or an hour and a half away. Yeah. Um, well, from the oceans, but there's rivers. and. So are you in the rivers often? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like the big picture I sent you today of the Chinook I caught in the summer, that's just on the Columbia right north of Savi Island. Very nice. Tasted very good. Um, and you just finished a a seafood yeah centric event portland portland that was pretty cool i have to say wildly successful we we didn't know what the result was going to be um leaf gildersleeve and mylene chavez got together leaf is from flying fish company and mylene is from olympia oyster bar and they said darn it you know we want to do something to draw attention to oysters people think that oysters should be eaten in the summertime and that's when oyster season is and it's kind of sad because oyster season is really in the winter and if people aren't eating as many in the winter they're kind of missing out on some good delicious versions of the same oysters that they eat in the summer so why don't we bring some attention and then at the same time let's work with some organizations that are that are doing conservation as far as the wild oyster populations on the Oregon coast and so they said well what does that look like we should get an event planner and so they called me I, I would imagine they weren't auditioning. They just they just knew who to call. I would I I would think so. Yeah. <laughs> so um, we just had an episode with Leaf yeah. not long ago, and he did a marvelous job. I hope educating more than just me um, about uh, oyster populations and what's happened to them since the start. Uh, you know, since 1900, um, yeah. when they were plentiful and grown wildly and not in farms. Um, mm-hmm. but so I suggest people go back to that one. It was, uh, I think it streamed on at the end of January. Like, uh, yeah. So yeah. not long ago. Yeah. He, I call him our official spokesperson for Shuck Portland. He just has such a way of captivating the audience and he's really passionate about, um, seafood. It's like multiple generation fishmonger. And so it's everything that he does, but he's also really active in the conservation and the and, and the rebuilding of these wild oyster reefs. I mean, he took on picking up, part of Shuck Portland was that we had, we had these main events where we got about 12,000 oysters donated. So we served them at these parties and we we retained all of the, the oyster shells. After we eat the oyster inside, we keep the shells. And we did the same thing with 20 restaurants around Portland. So as much as we could, each restaurant would save their shells after dinner service. And then we were picking them up and he took on the job of, trying to pick all of them up from all these 20 locations at the same time we're doing these main events and it was it was a really big task and and he's just like always smiling about it very impressive he is he he has i talked to him a couple times he's got a lot of energy and and i know um it's pretty easy to identify those people in the food world who are really good uh and entertainers and presenters and spokespeople for either their cause or their business or themselves and he was one of them. I mean, he was up with Vitaly Paley at that yeah. dinner, and uh, Leaf had a lot. Just had a lot of has a lot of charisma. Leaf has that hustle that I really like. 
in in people that I work with, you know, like not a complainer, not a, not over examining things to the point where it's like, you know, devil in the details kind of thing. Like events are hard and, and you want them to go perfect and hopefully they do, but stuff always goes wrong. And he's just got that like fix it mentality. So some something breaks down and he's like, that's cool, whatever. Throw whatever shit at me. I, would <laughs> I think, got this. I would think that life where you're first of all relying on on variables like yeah. you know quantities of fish that you can get and so yeah, forth the and, wild and the yeah. wi- right exactly the so the sturgeon imagine- we got for that vitali paley dinner um which was our closing event for shuck portland uh was was caught by a tribe in in the upper columbia like around the dalles like a couple of days before and he drove out there to pick up those fish to bring to to paley so I mean, so, who has time to go to the Dalles just randomly on a day? So it's quite a contrast when you, do you have moments of appreciation when you think back that you came to Portland from Phoenix, Arizona, which is to me is a, it's a spreadsheet city because it's all grids. <laughs> yeah. So it just mirrors a spreadsheet. I like um, it. Full circle. I, I lived there for a while and oh, I yeah? just couldn't deal with the, the grid. There was, everything was a grid. There were no curvy roads. Yeah. And you were always behind a pickup truck, and that sun was always blasting and the, you. And the pickup truck has fake nuts hanging off of the back of it. Oh, I didn't notice those. That's very popular. I don't think they were, when you were there, I don't think the, the truck nuts were. I don't, I when were you there? It, it was, was it the 80s? Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, there was only, uh, when I was there, there was just the 10 and the 17. Oh, there's That's a it. bunch of loops now. I know. They're all <laughs> over the place. A couple I, more million people, I, too. I lived up on... Um, Thunderbird nineteenth, mm. and then commuted into the sun and w- the evening back into the sun. Yep, not fun. So anyway, and that was similar for me. But now you're in Portland, and it's got to be kind of fun. The people that you're meeting, yeah, and the things that you're able to do. I mean, I have. Well, that's I, it's a good. Uh, it's you've introduced me to some people that I've done a lot of really cool stuff with. Uh, leather stores and Eric Russ. I mean. Both of those people, you came to me with an idea, and then they became my best friends. So that's fantastic. Yeah. So, but now I never get to hang out with them anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm monopolizing their time. Yeah. Eric's great. He's killing it at Pono Brewing. He's uh, he's just so good at what he does. He's like one of those guys, kind of like Leaf, where he walks into a room and he's like, "Everyone's my best friend," and they're like, "Okay." Plus, great. <laughs> yeah, he's really he's really busy. He really works it because. I see him everywhere, yeah. and I don't show up. I'm not everywhere anymore. Yeah. I'm, I'm, but where you are, he is as well. Where I am, he is. Or, or And um, he used to come to my events. He's not doing that anymore, so I don't know. <laughs> well, uh, he's, he's really focused on this brewery, and I think that that's something that maybe he wasn't expecting to, to have, and it's become very successful, and they're, they're transitioning into being the bigger, badder brewery that their goal is to become, and, and I'm so proud of him. And, you know, we do Shantytown now, which is kind of like, you know, the same model that I do with my other event, the Portland Eggnog Competition, the PDX Nogoff, which mm-hmm. you haven't come to yet. You got to stop by soon. No, when's this that? Year. It's uh, usually the first weekend of December. Oh, okay. I, I remember I had plans to do that, but then I have to really be driven to get me out of, yeah. lo- to dislodge me. Oh, yeah. I either have to have other plans in Portland or you have to, you know, maybe there's some, uh, there's yeah. some emotional incentive I need sure. to have. Well, do you like eggnog? I do like eggnog. Do you like shandies? I, I yeah. Well, I would both like... of both of them, they're like six months apart in the different seasons, but they're both the, kind of the same model. So we get together six of the best bartenders we consider the best because they're from really successful, great restaurants around town, and they're doing interesting stuff on their menu. And 
uh, we get them together and we make them compete against each other to make the best, either Shandy or Eggnog. And they do. And they're all really good. So, yeah. All right. Well, next time you have to kind of push me because right. I see those things and then I, I do either put them on my calendar or I just put them in my head. And then next thing I know, I'm looking at the Instagram feeds from that day. Oh, I didn't go. Oh, so, darn. Um, yeah. And those are two examples of things that are having memorable moments at events. At the Nog Off, we... We love having a Santa. So last year we had Brian Gilbert. You know him? No. Big, tall, black guy, giant hair. So he was dressed as Santa. And if you sat on his lap and asked for a pony, you got a pony. But it was in the version of a seven-ounce beer. Mm-hmm. Those are called ponies. Uh-huh. And then uh, at the Shandy Town, we made a photo booth, which was, you know, and so Shandy, there's all these theories. Shandy is kind of beer just with juice or soda. But, in, you know, they've it's evolved into becoming also with liquor and so we did a photo booth where the beer is kind of chilling on a on a cloud and the the martini is beckoning it with a finger and so there's you pop your head and you can either be the beer or the martini in your little and your little uh text bubble says like i want you inside of me oh that's good yeah because then uh once the beer gets inside of the cocktail the shandy was born so this is a long way from spreadsheets. <laughs> this is, well, and you know, I like through the whole process of trying to figure out how to fulfill the ideas on the spreadsheets, you meet a lot of people that can make photo booths. <laughs> and you have to pencil them out, right? So yeah. a lot of what you're doing, like the Shuck Portland involves procuring a lot for promotional value. Yeah. Right. So, um, so that helps the spreadsheet a little bit, but there's still some... It's kind of tough when you're putting an event together and it's unknown going in yeah. how many people are going to come and how many tickets are going to be sold. Yep. And then you've got to do a certain amount of promotional tickets just to make sure that it's covered. Um, how do you, That's got to be a little tough, especially if let's just take Chuck Portland. You have no idea how many people are going to come. And I did notice the, that the gala, the, the dinner on Saturday night, price changed. Mm-hmm. So you obviously at some point said... It's in order to sell more seats, and you sold it out. We sold it out. We have to yep. get to a certain price point. Yeah, um, and you're not. That's an event that happens in a week. You don't have time. It's not like something that okay, next month we'll do it at this price. You got to get it done. Yeah, and you know, all four of us at Chuck Portland. Uh, I, I left someone out earlier. Jarrett Foster of Turnant uh, was our fourth person. He, we, you know, we all tried to make decisions together. It was it was a whirlwind. We we had about a month and a half to put everything together, so some decisions were made independently of each other. But as as far as like changing the prices and pushing marketing, um, you know, like I I ran with that as as just kind of like the leader of 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 all of the design well, and marketing and promotion. Someone's got to do it. Yeah, and you know, like I do social media. Even though I kind of don't want to, <laughs> but I'm I not think, terrible I at it. I think we're all in that boat. <laughs> it's like this it's necessary evil. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, I want people to know what we're up to and gives them an insider's look at the back, the back end of, of what's up in Shuck and, and my life. And, you know, I catch a big fish. I post a picture and people are happy for me and, and that feels great. And I want people to see the good stuff. So it makes sense, obviously. But yeah, as far as marketing Shuck, you know, we we went into it just having absolutely no idea. And um, very quickly, we realized that Portland was hungry for something with oysters. And we were hesitant. I think you can throw anything out there and do it well. Well, I don't I know. Mean, and I'm not, there's no slight to oysters. Yeah. All you oysters don't call. <laughs> so, but um, 
But I mean, if you come up with a good theme and execute it well, people in Portland will want to eat anything or drink anything. Yeah, I, th- I do think that it's important to have the right marketing channels. And with Shuck, we, we really nailed it. Like we got a lot of media coverage. We had the news out a couple of times at different events we were doing. We had a lot of really cool visual experiences that we could share, like shucking oysters, for example. I'd never shucked an oyster before, before shuck, so. And you have no cuts in your hands. Mm. You do? Okay, so I didn't cut myself with a shucking knife, but <laughs> I did end up with about 10 from the, splinters. From the, oysters, from the oyster shells? A couple from oyster shells, and then a couple from moving the cutting boards that we were using for our oyster classes. Part oh, okay. of shuck, we had classes and panels, and, you know, in a hurry, trying to clean up at the end of the night, just like holding towers of crap in my hand and I just I had a bunch of oysters or a bunch of splinters well they'll go away but your hands still look great thank you well I got a I got a manicure yesterday and I had the woman uh cut out all of the splinters for me so now I'm splinter free oh that's that's a good way that's killing a couple (laughs) of birds with one manicurist soak it in paraffin wax a little bit of salt and then just have a woman cut it out of your finger very nice and now I'm seeing that most likely the shot I saw of an oyster being held with it was by me. the with the blue nail yeah. polish. I was wondering last <laughs> night if that was you. So, yeah, it's, you got to go. And so while we're at it, and we're looking at your hands, we can go up a little bit, and we can see a little ink. Yeah. Something I've always thought I should do more of on this podcast is let's talk a little bit about tattoos? what you've decided to put on your body for your life. Well, I'll tell you what my next tattoo is going to be: a Dungeness crab. Oh, yeah. And where's that going? I think it's going to go my left hip. Your left hip. Yeah. Okay. And you and I have discussed the Dungeness crab. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would probably, in answer to that, put a lobster Oh, somewhere. well, your East Coast. That's right. Yeah, my, my East Coast thing. And I haven't yet. I like the taste of the Dungeness crab, but the, I'm just too impatient to deal with that. Yeah. Um, last year I did, um, I was marketing events manager for Overlook Film Festival. So it was a horror film festival that took place at Timberline Lodge where they filmed the outside shots of The mm-hmm. Shining. Um, it was great. We basically put together a film festival on a glacier in the middle of a snowstorm. So that was fun. But um, I met a bunch of people that had horror m- movie tattoos, like incredible pieces of art, you know, like I don't know any of the characters' names, but just imagine the iconic horror. Mm-hmm. Here's Johnny and all the murderers. Just covering legs, back, incredible pieces. I don't think I'd go that far, but I like my little... How far would you go? I mean, I, you know, someday I might you be fully covered. Time. Yeah. <laughs> I slowed down. There was a period of time, like five years, where I didn't get tattooed, but now I'm back on. So when did you start? How old were you on your first one? 18 in one day. Oh. I had already... Is that, like, was that a... Uh, That's the law. Oh, it's the law. Yeah. If you get permission from from your parents, can you start it at four? <laughs> I don't think, <laughs> uh, I don't think, I don't recommend that if you like know a four-year-old that wants a tattoo. I think by the time they get older, it will have just spread, stretched. Oh, it's going to happen anyway. I <laughs> yeah. mean, you know, well, I hopefully hear, I don't get that much I hear better. there are a lot of 70-year-olds that are, look, you look at them and think, yeah, you know. The sag factor. Yeah, it's going to happen. It's an incentive to, you know, stay fit. Yeah. Stay in shape. Yeah, I guess. Eat collagen-rich foods. Whether you right. might have an incentive or not, it's still difficult. Right. You know, that's an idea for a podcast, is just the whole podcast goes from tattoos. So you have a guest, and you just walk us through your tattoos, and let's tell the, let's do the stories from there. There's plenty of people that would have long, long podcast content in I this know. city. It's, uh, I, yeah, we didn't get, we've just talked about what you wanted to have. Yeah. What's on your left uh 
forearm there. So these are anemone flowers. Mm -hmm. These are these really beautiful white flowers that have really just vibrant, intense purple centers. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, on my arm, they don't look white because my skin is not that white. But I mean, it's white enough. But yeah, this is my newest one. This was done by Agnes at The Hive. The Hive? The Hive in Kenton. And how'd you find her? She is good friends with my friend Ursula, and Ursula Barton is the one the local artist who does those beautiful murals of Portland bridges and cityscapes that kind of drip down the wall. Oh, yeah, nice. They're roommates. Where can we find that on Instagram? That's an Instagram feed I'd like to um, see. Another Ursula. Another Ursula. Okay, shout out to Ursula. She's amazing. She's always at the Portland Night Market, I and mean, she kind of gets around to whatever events she can. Um, sell her her art and then she also does murals she's done stuff in like Mexico like all around just really really cool impressive stuff I'm sure you've seen it is the one in Alberta that they just repainted would that be hers because I just saw that maybe I have a good picture of me when I was really really wide years ago (laughs) it was one of the pictures that caused me to go okay Chris get it together so I mean I almost almost, well that doesn't (laughs) That's once a month. I'm it's just kidding. But, that, but uh, I almost covered the entire wall. So, um, But it was a cool picture so nonetheless. Take a, you should go take another picture. Yeah, and still after. I'm not as, from the side, the profile isn't as good as you, never, as you ever want it to be. We're always looking at ourselves straight on in the mirror mm. most of the time. I like a good side view. Yeah. You like it? Yeah, I can't well, leave good. the house without getting like. That's good. Making sure the profile, the silhouette. Right. So um, I wanted to, before we forget, I wanted to get back to leather. Yeah. Because leather's just awesome. I don't see him enough. It's amazing. I haven't been to, I, again, I should just, you know, I should. there should be a word for it, but I haven't gotten to Noble Rot enough just a couple of times since we all got together. Yeah. Um, we should all have a little reunion there. It's a great restaurant. That would be nice. Like, I get a lot of pleasure out of seeing you with Eric and leather. Yeah. Because it's one, you know, it is one of the things I do. I f- that makes me feel really good about doing what I do is just putting some people, once in a while you you hit and you connect someone who really gets along. And it wasn't like I was looking to make a connection. It was like we were doing, a, we were doing an event and who's right to do this event and uh, got you all in a room. Actually, we all, we originally <laughs> met in the hallway outside of Noble Room. Yep. Right. Yep. Oh, it we was. Did you, we ever get inside or was it just outside? No, we got inside. You, you saw me the night before at Bidhouse and... I think we had all had a few drinks and you kind of whisked by. You don't remember this, but then you said, Natalia, do you want to meet with us at 8 a.m. tomorrow? Or like some ungodly time. Like these are not restaurant hours. But meet with us at 8 a.m. And there was this. Oh, that had to do with leather. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. He's a very early riser. Right. He said, we're going to do cannabis dinners and, and I'd love to pick your brain. And I said, oh, I, I didn't say that. I hate that term. Well, you said something. I'd love to have your mind a part of it yeah, or something it, like that. Yeah, but it never would have been pick your All brain because right, well, I think that's the worst thing to yeah, ask someone to it. do. Yeah. That's horrible. Um, yeah, so I showed up and in comes walking this guy with dreadlocks with this giant bag of cannabis stumps. And it just smelled like weed everywhere in this restaurant. And I'm like, okay. I'd never heard of leather stores. I'd gone to his restaurant a thousand times. It was one of the first places I went. Noble Rot was... A place my friend took me, like, let's ha- let's go have a view and some wine and a happy hour. And, you know, I guess I just hadn't, and this, I hope that doesn't offend him if he listens to this, but, you know, I just didn't ever really pay attention that, that much to 
to like the old school. There's a lot to pay attention chefs. to in the city, and I found that everybody under everybody understands that. No one's yeah. unless someone's got a huge ego and thinks that they should be the center of attention. But I think everybody understands that our people in the industry can only focus on so many things. Yeah, we only have so much bandwidth. Exactly, but it's but leather is. Uh, I didn't meet him until. Years into it, actually, I ran into him at Feast, mm-hmm. and I thought, oh, there's a nice guy. I went to my first experience at Noble Rot, was this great date with this woman I met on Craigslist who had more money, oh. than, more money than you could possibly imagine. <laughs> She's now married and has a um, house that's been featured in Architectural Digest. I met her on Craigslist. It's crazy. This is back in the days when Craigslist. So she took me to Noble Rot. Because it's she still knew going that, on. Really? Yeah. Back date, when date. back when Craigslist was a little safer. Yeah, maybe. Multiple people had been murdered. Well, that was the thing. It's it gets a vibe just because of one thing that happens, but it's like anything else. You could be you could meet someone anywhere and have that same Yeah, you could be murdered risk. by anyone. Exactly. Totally. But anyway, so she took me to Nobarat and I really enjoyed it. I didn't know him. I ran into him at Feast and you know, with zillions of people standing there as he's and he made an impression on me and then yeah. I started reading his, I wish he'd write more because I started reading his column that he had for maybe PDX now or whatever it was at the time. I don't mm-hmm. remember. And uh, I dropped him a note and said, man, your stuff is great. And uh, he ended up calling me and said, come in. And he made me a wonderful lunch. Yep. We'd never met this incredible lunch. And I said, why did you call me? He said, because you actually took the time to write me a letter yeah. to tell me what you thought of my writing. And it he, was knows. Nice. he knows the best way to people's heart is through their stomach. He's a great chef, and I think that that's awesome. You know, like I've had meetings with him, and I sit down, and it's like, here's your omelet. What are we talking about today? And uh, But, I mean, that's how it was that first day when we all got together, and, and he's just this very charismatic, loud, wordsmith, like intelligent dude, and, and we all... We all um, He's got a great Gravitated. sense of humor. Yeah. There isn't a text exchange with him that I don't enjoy, and I should do more. But I'm just not going to. I'm just not going to contrive have contrived text conversations. But um, he's he's a lot of fun, and I had to step out of those cannabis dinners because yep. the OLCC nothing was really Terrifying. figured out at the yeah. time. So I went and enjoyed enjoyed it immensely, and now I see. He's now down in California yep. doing them. Yeah, we had two successful dinners with Kitchen Chronicles. Maybe we'll do more. He um, has gone on. You know, he had already been playing with the idea before and refining his technique. And Kitchen Chronicles was was really successful and the audience was great. We had growers and dispensary owners and media and whomever. And now he's, you know, I, I don't know how many other dinners he's done, but you know, Willamette Week and uh, just got back from Hollywood fancy multiple course dinner down there and yeah and what's really cool i just love what that he wants to do this is to treat cannabis like wine and right as a not as a cheech and chong thing but put it in the light that this is new territory for a lot of people but how do i treat this and get the flavors out of it and not it's not all about the buzz yeah. Although there is some Although, factor. Yeah. yeah. Let's not say that it isn't because it's definitely, I mean, that's why we're consuming cannabis. I don't consume cannabis, but. But he's why. trying to produce, he's trying to present it a little differently that it, where it's yeah. not all about that. And, and how do I do, how do, as a chef, how do I, how do I extract these flavors and, and enhance this dish with these flavors? So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, he's come a long way, and now he really understands dosage, and he knows how to control the milligrams of THC and CBD, and so the experience is is really well curated for people, first-timers or regulars, however 
it unfolds. It's fun. And the fact that he wants to do it. There's nothing more than setting um, anybody in the food industry free on what they like doing. Yep. Um, and giving them the, the freedom to express themselves. It's like musicians. You can't tell a musician what to play. Yeah. So. Can't tell an artist to change the painting. No. And you wouldn't purport to. So um, let's go. Where else do we go in here? Uh, we, we did before. <laughs> and what else? One um, other, pick one other that you are particularly fond of. Um, probably my favorite tattoo you can't see. It's on my upper right thigh. Really big. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah, well, I'm not going to pull my pants down. <laughs> um, it's uh, Dia de los Muertos. It's a beautiful sugar skull that my friend, he's a comic book artist in Phoenix. He drew it for me. It's kind of a Victorian woman, the big hat and flowers, and, and she's a skeleton, so it's it's a Dia de los Muertos like nod. That's wonderful. Yeah. And I just became familiar with uh, Dia de los Muertos. Mm-hmm. And we're doing a trip to Mexico City. Great. And we're going to be there for Day of the Dead. Great. And so I would like a little image of that if you can send it to us. Sure. I can send if you we, the unless drawing. Unless it's copyrighted. No. <laughs> but we'd like to do that. So that's going to be... Uh, and I've t- I'd love to have... That would be incredible to figure out a way to have you come on this trip. Yeah. We just need to sell tickets. Hello. <laughs> so we need to sell tickets and then we can figure out a way to get you down there and get and have a whole experience with your with your father. October? October, late mm-hmm. October. Mm-hmm. So help okay. us sell some tickets I'll so we can it. get you that's an incentive. We'll get you down there. Yep. And uh, anyway, so that's cool. What else is going on? You're excited about your job. Yeah, I would N- imagine. Nostrana is a great how place. Lo- how long ago did that happen? Um, you mean officially getting the job? Yeah. When did you hear that it was yours and, and what was the, what was the pitch? (laughs) Um, I accepted the position yesterday officially. Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, that was a, that was a serendipitous timing then. Absolutely. Well, we had been talking for about a year and a half. Um, I've, I've known about this project and I've loved working with the team at Nostrana. They're a a very well-oiled machine Kathy and David are incredible employers and they take really good care of their staff and there's so much potential there. Um, you know, I love running wild and being this event producer that's just flying by the seat of my pants and putting together stuff on a whim. But I've also really wanted to... Into, you're going to use yeah, that one. Stuff on a whims. That should be some event that we do with mm-hmm. Kathy. But I really wanted to work with them for a long time and and so I'm excited to be a part of their team and, and use my talents to grow their business and then, you know, be successful under their umbrella, too. And Our, eat pizza all the damn time. Yeah, great pizza, too. <laughs> so uh, another one is we have discussed, and Eric gave me a little hard time, slight hard time. Oh, the uh, chicken. The chicken, because we did our, <laughs> we did our uh, fried chicken sandwich yeah. crawl with Andy from Thrillist, which was really fun, by the way. I can only imagine. I mean, who can be mad? That's the thing with Shuck, too, is like, oh, this event is so crowded and there's a line at the bar, but like, you have free oysters, so no one's mad. It's the same with fried chicken. It's just this euphoric experience. Right, but you guys have been planning on doing a fried chicken crawl and recording it, and we were going to put it on the podcast. And so we kind of did that. The sandwich thing came up, and I knew you guys. So I said to Eric, we're waiting. (laughs) So you're welcome to go out and do it at any point. We just have to have a little bit of distance between the two fried chickens, and that's okay but what can you just give us a little preview or a tease oh, on yeah. the fried on the places that you know you want to go we're going to have multiple categories of fried chicken we are going to do one of traditional american style so reel them in mm-hmm. we're going to do one on 
kind of the catch-all Asian versions. So hot yai, mm-hmm. um, karaage at various places. Um, and then I think we're going to do a third on just wings. Okay, but I think you need to do more than three. Okay, well we're gonna we're gonna have to do baby it's steps because really we haven't crawl. even gotten to one yet. No, no, no. I'm not. Ta- I'm talking about three different crawls, and within those categories, we go to oh. multiple things. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, you don't want to make it too complicated. So then, what we'll do is you and Eric will come back in here and discuss it because we'll we fight just, over we the just, microphone. Yeah, we just set this format up like Great. yesterday. We had Andy in here, and it was supposed to be a twenty-minute like soundbite. Mm-hmm. It's an hour. Okay. So we finished and court said, okay, five minutes. And I thought, okay, then after we have our interview with Andy, we didn't even get to that. So uh, we'll figure it out. Maybe these crawls, because the tartar one we were able to knock out wasn't, yeah. as, wasn't as involved. We but, didn't get to the last two locations because we started drinking Negronis, but that's okay. Right, right, right. <laughs> and we, we skipped Popeye's on the fried chicken sandwich crawl. But Ooh. having Andy um, in the studio, Andy... Kriza from Thrillist was a lot of fun. So we just went off on lots of tangents. So that's a podcast which will, Court, will this be before or after Natalia's that people can go listen to? I think it would be before. I'd I'd have to look. Well, anyway, look for it. If you're listening to this podcast, look for the... uh, the fried chicken, fried chicken sandwich. This is, coming after, this is coming after the fried chicken. All right, so it's already there. Look into the archives, Great. and then we'll look forward to doing the one with Eric. And we want to get Eric in here and talk about Pono, so we'll figure out how to Great. how to put it's all that be together. Me, Eric, and probably some hilarious chef type person. Leather, maybe leather. Dude, but yeah, it'll be difficult to get him out for a crawl. I think that's probably true. I'm guessing, but find, yeah, find someone hilarious. We don't have three mics. That's okay. So, but you can record so it along the way. I say we can way. fight over it. No, yeah. I have something to say. So no. we can have a good fight. Um, anything else that just quickly that you have tried in this wonderful city lately that that people need to know about? And, and food dr- wise, anything drink wise, oh, food drinks. wise. I love shipwreck. Yep. Go to shipwreck if they're popping up. They're coming up on the twenty fifth, I think. Brandy Fight is going to be bartending with them. She's. It will have already happened. Great. Then I don't know. Yeah, so it's you just you can't even keep up with them. They're just always turning around. Well, they're also Eric was just we just had him mm-hmm. yesterday, and uh, it will have run by the time this interview hits. So Eric, at the end of the podcast, told us he was looking for brick and mortar space, and we would yeah we could more power to them. I hope they find it. Opening it with a PFA event. Because cool. we may as well put that promo in here. Yeah, I, I as much as I can, I try to get them to bartend the events I do. I just love those guys. They've got a good hustle, and they've got really interesting drinks, sorbet and smoke, and who knows what else is in there. And he's a really he's one of those guys. I didn't know him at all, mm-hmm. um, and I had an opportunity at at the eat at the Shuck event to talk to him over the bar, and then the next day he came in here and we had a great hour. So uh, Killing it. Listen to that one. See, I'm connecting people too, kind of. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, you're a connector. Yeah. Absolutely. I love it. And I think that's what, I think. I need somebody to be a matchmaker for me now. Well, I, you and I both. <laughs> I need that too. I've all, but you, you're playing in a way younger category, so I don't know. But yeah, I, I've often thought of using this podcast <laughs> to do that, but I, I, I go out enough. I was thinking about starting a uh, singles networking slash dating event called Friend of a Friend. Yeah. So, you know, like all my, all my friends that own and, ma- and manage venues, we use their spaces, a couple of sponsors and food, and you come in if you're single, and the only catch is you have to just bring a friend. 
that's a good idea. So when I was in Connecticut, I used to go to the eight-minute dating things. Those were awesome. Oh, man. And out here, they sucked. So stressful. In, in Portland, they sucked. But yeah. in Connecticut, for whatever reason, they'd get 50 people my age in one room. And it was really, I felt like, a little bit like this. I felt like I had a talk show, and it was eight minutes of a guest. <laughs> Your elevator pitch of yourself just over and over and it over. It wasn't so much that. I was asking them questions. And so if it went quickly, it, you knew it was, there was something there. And right. if it took forever, like th- eight minutes felt like it took nine years, then you knew. I mean, it was pretty obvious, but I don't know. those were some fun things. But anyway, what's, so quickly, what's your criteria? As long as you're here and you're looking, what do you want in a man? Mm, smart, tall. Those are obvious. And don't, and don't say, I want to have fun and laugh, because we know that. <laughs> I love to laugh and have fun right. and I really like good food and drink and oh my god Portland live hard play hard. There you go. Um I don't know. I think it's a pretty complicated answer. You know, not, I don't really like to compartmentalize dating like that, but No, it's hard. I think I think the biggest attraction for me would be just that intellectual connection with someone. Yeah. I don't want to so I don't want to have to explain my deeper jokes. Right. There's a lot that goes in. There are a lot of ingredients. It's like, you know, it's more than a drink. But a lot, there's a lot goes. It, this may be a scary concept, but now that you've said that, where do people find you on your uh, social media? Where would you like to put that out? Uh, uh, well, my website is nataliaterrell.com. All of my social medias are Nat KT. Not Nat Cat, like it looks. N-A-T-K-A-Y-T. All right. That's my name. And I don't know if this means anything, but I would vouch that someone would be personal reference. Someone would be extremely <laughs> lucky to have you as their girlfriend. That's very kind of you. Thank you. I can cook too. So I know. <laughs> I've seen it. I've I've experienced that firsthand. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much let's, for having me. Let's do it again. Thank it's you fun. for coming in. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at Right at the Fork.com. 